Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of the Tabletop for Two podcast. I'm Brad Van Vutt. I'm Emily Van Vutt. So we're back again. Um, this week later on, we're going to be talking about, this is a listener suggestion. Um, our buddy Justin, uh, who's a fan of the show, talked about, uh, we introduced him to the Harry Potter uh, Battle for Hogwarts deck building game we talked about a couple episodes ago, a game that uh, kind of tweaks the difficulty by adding in stuff. So we're going to talk all about games that do uh, scaling difficulty for those of you out there who might be looking for that sort of thing. Um, but before we get to all that, uh, just a reminder, you can find us online, uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at Tabletop for Two. Make sure you subscribe to the show. Uh, when you listen to it, you can do that on iTunes, Google Play Music, or any other podcatcher on your choice. Uh, we have a BGG Guild. It's number 2623. Uh, definitely hop in there for any you know episode suggestions, stuff like that, much like we're doing this week. And uh, we also did a live stream of 13 Days about a week or so ago. Um, so that's on Periscope. If you uh, if you use that, you can check us out at Tabletop for Two. Give us a follow because that's something that we're planning on doing uh, a bit more of in the future. Uh, you can also find the playthrough of 13 Days on our YouTube channel as well, which you can find at Tabletop for Two. But I need to find a better... A better video yeah, service the feed to use might so be. Great. Yeah, I, like Periscope, I I I haven't used it a whole bunch myself, so I didn't realize that the video, the streaming quality wasn't going to be the best. Um, so we might try Twitch. We might try just recording them and then uploading them later on iTunes, possibly. So we might experiment with that. So just uh, keep your ears peeled, and we'll let you know what's going on in that regard. So. The first game we're going to talk about this week uh, is one that a lot of people, I think, have been talking about the past couple weeks because it kind of hit the the games market with a bit of a flurry, and that is Mechs versus Minions. Uh, yeah, I, I believe I came home to a very angry husband who had been waiting for four hours. Oh, man. I, yeah, I, it took me... So on four the day, hours to check out? Yeah, on the day that they did the, um, that they did the, the, fir- the initial sale of the game... Um, and they had plenty of copies. They had like 30,000 copies, which sounds like a lot. But it was also a game that was going to appeal to a broader market because this is done by Riot Games. And if you're saying, wait, Riot Games, that's the guys that make League of Legends. Yes, it is. It's, it's actually a it company that's a video it on game the company. Side of the box. Right. Um, so this is their first game. So, so there was a lot of people hitting their web store. And I guess the servers weren't ready for that. So yeah, four hours later, um, we finally did get a copy. Um, so this is a, and see, this is a game I bought purely because of a lot of the hype surrounding, because I legitimately did not know if M especially was going to like this, because, because this it has is my least yeah. favorite mechanic in the world. Yes, this, the, the way the game plays, it's a cooperative, um, game where you are controlling these mechs, and as the title would suggest, you are fighting a bunch of minions. You're trying to complete specific objectives. Um, but the way that you command your mechs is through a card drafting system, <clears throat> and then you play the cards onto a tableau, um, but you're doing programmed movement. Which, which, if you guys are longtime listeners, you'll know I hate. <laughs> yes, she hates. She, you, M hated Hate Robo Rally, couldn't stand it. Uh, Kings of Aaron Steam was nope. a swing and a miss because it had program movement. Nope. Um, so, not, not your favorite mechanic. No. By far. Um, but this one's kind of interesting because you can, so you have six slots, and when you program the different cards, because you only draft a couple cards per round, um, you actually can put them in whichever slot you wish. And then after you're done drafting and assigning your cards, you execute them in the order that they're in. So you have a little bit more 
control over how things happen. You can also yeah until you get a card well, that says take oh damage, malfunction yeah. malfunction danger Will Robinson. Well, and see taking yeah. taking damage like when you take hits is where the chaos comes into play a little bit because you can't actually ever die like your minion can't ever be just your, your mech can't you're ever just be destroyed. temporarily disabled yeah they can they can definitely mess your mess your day up though by putting in commands that you might not want now of course you have ways to mitigate those and get rid of yeah those. but that's by using cards that you might not want to spend for sure um but like i say you can also buff up some of the actions that you have in your tableau so you can take you know an action where it might let you kill one enemy and buff it up so that you can kill multiple enemies, basically. Or mm-hmm. you know, and they have all sorts of different cards that work really well. Um, it's a campaign style game. Like you can play all the missions one off, but essentially, as you go through, we um, played we play two, the, right? we play the introductory mission and we played the first real mission. And every mission seems like it's going to be introducing new oh, mechanics. Mg, that first mission, every freaking turn, like twenty guys came out. It felt like. Well, yeah, because this is a, I mean, so for those that are not familiar with League of Legends, League of Legends is what's called a a massive online battle arena game where you... This just felt like horde mode well, for, like, Gears what of it War, is. That's basically, kind of, That's kind of me. what it is, is that you I've are... I've watched you play that enough, and I see horde mode, and they just keep coming and coming and coming, and that's well, what it felt like. In League of Legends, you control a hero, and... You also and you're battling like a bunch of like cannon fodder minions and stuff like that basically as you go along. So it's kind Insert of the same dense pixels, you know, oh. segue here. Yeah, plug plug <laughs> for the video game podcast. But uh, but yeah, that's uh, but so it's, it's got that kind of feel where you're fighting off like tons and tons of enemies. But you the abilities that you have have ways to deal with several enemies. Yeah, what once. was the one I had where I could like knock out the whole line of people if I? It was, had, like, it was called like ripsaw, I think, where I could, you could yeah. do, basically you shot a you know did an attack that went a straight line. And like these each card has uh it gets better if you have more copies of it Mm -hmm. so like rips the first ripsaw you can do like one person in front of you you can kill one person in front of you the second one allows you to do two and then the third one does it let you do three Three, does it clean out the whole line it's three in a row but still i mean that's that's That's, usually a lot yeah (laughs) um and it's just it's a very well actually I'll, I'll let M talk about it first because again I was she was the one I was worried about not liking this just because <laughs> the program movement we watched the video before we ordered it she said I don't know it looks like I'm not gonna like it but and we'll give Brad it a shot pulled his usual well I'm getting it anyway because we can always trade it if you really don't like it true, that much true true <laughs> um anyway so I quite enjoyed this honestly um. Probably partly because it's cooperative. I think that's I think that's a huge thing. I think the problem with the other games is you had the ability to mess with my plans mm-hmm. and I didn't like that. I don't like the outside like the game messing with my plans is one thing, but you directly screwing with me mm-hmm. kind of Put me off of the program movement. Well, it Does also, that make sense? Well, it also helps in this game, too, is that since it is cooperative, you guys can kind of, like, coordinate and plan. Like, the team can kind of coordinate and plan together. Right. And and actually, some of those those damage cards that, you know, that, that put these movements on your guys that you might not want, you can actually kind of incorporate into your... Into your plans and oh, work absolutely. around them. Because and, and, I had one that's a, like every turn I had to turn 90 degrees. So then in the next slot over, it's like turn 180 degrees or something yeah, like that. Or, or just, like, so it, it gives you the opportunity to plan it out. Now, there is, and it's, and they do introduce like a timed aspect where during the card drafting phase, it, it is timed. So you have to, you know, have those discussions quickly. You can't just sit there and take by the eternally way, forever. One of the best first player markers ever. 
Oh, the hourglass? Yeah, yes. the giant sculpted hourglass. It is so cool looking. <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't... I thought I was afraid that this game would be suffering the... How can I be mad mm-hmm. when my guy was literally Dr. Robotnik riding a metal Yoshi? Yeah, that's how, kind of how what How can was. I be mad with that? Well, and, and so my fear was because this game was getting a lot of hype, like I thought it was getting maybe inflated because of that. Were you afraid it was going to be like another Ashes for us? No, I, well, Ashes... We just didn't like. I can see where the game is good. I thought this game would be just okay, mm-hmm. and and that it was just being blown well, no, up. No, because I just of... remembered you with Ashes when Ashes came out. It was just like the same kind of thing. Oh, we got it, and then you did all this and you ordered it, and we got it, and it was just kind of eh. Yeah, but but this one actually was that good. Like it actually did live up to it. I was I was surprised to see how much fun it was. Um, I had a lot of fun. Yeah, it's. I mean, there's there's something to games like. I mean, when, that's, I, when I get to kill dudes, I love it. Well, and and like Em and I, when we play video games together, one of the games we like playing the most is is Diablo three, and that's because you can just run roughshod through. I'm a button masher. Yeah, I'm a button masher from way back. You know, back when you know my brother. The only time he would be around me was you know, oh, I'll let you play a video game with mm-hmm. me. I love to mash buttons. Yeah, this uh, but, <laughs> this but it is was, definitely like a button mashing board game. It was a lot of. Fun and then and also the other thing with this and this I mean this doesn't usually incorporate into our purchasing decisions but it's a nice bonus but I can't think of another tabletop game that's a better production value for price. Oh my god, this is with a, this one at the price point it is a steal. Right, it's it's seventy five bucks, which you think man that's pretty expensive and it is more expensive than the average board game. But if you, you get. The miniatures. Oh, yeah. Well, in this you get game. you get like a hundred like a hundred miniatures. Most of them are minions, but oh. you get the all your player characters are all hand painted. And, you, and you guys know we're big fans of the game trays, and game trays actually did the insert for this one. Didn't yeah, it's they? like these mul- It's like this multi trade insert. Oh, all have awesome. lids on it. Um, you know, like I said, you have I your painted say, figures. The box is freaking huge. Huge box, right? Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, but it's but you got like the the boards are made of nice cardboard. Like I said, you've got all the all the minis with it um you know you've got these cool metal bits as well that come with the game these little the flare little bits cogs, that are in there yeah. yeah the little cogs and stuff like that it's like I said, it's just a really nice package um and you'll definitely you definitely feel like you get your money's worth for absolutely for we got more than bucks. our money's worth i think well and that's and that's indicative of the of oh and like the little, the little um the little mechs that you get. I mean, the detail to the painting and everything on that. It's just well, oh. it's not. I mean, it's not as good as if you did it yourself, obviously. But for something that's mass produced, it's right. definitely it's pretty pretty solid. Pretty damn good, I think. I think it's better than like the X Wing that Fantasy Flight puts out, for example. Which and those are considered to be pretty good as well. So yeah, Mechs vs. Minions. Um, I don't know Dr. what Robotnik's the my homeboy. Yeah, I don't know what the availability looks like on this, but uh, we would highly recommend it yes. uh, if you are able to to pick that up. Absolutely. Um, next on the list <laughs> is a game we couldn't even make it through a full. Oh, you're bearing you're bearing the lead, of, bearing the lead here. Oh, uh, my village. Yeah, so my village was it. It got a lot of buzz um, a few months back when it came out, and this is like so. Village is a worker placement game that we that we like a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got and what's cool about Village is it has the interesting mechanic of every time. Most of the actions you do, also, you have to spend time. And, and once you've people. spent enough time, you actually have to, like, your villagers die. And that's part of the strategy <laughs> of the game as well. Well, my village um, is essentially village, but in dice format. Um, so instead of 
having a board with the worker placement fact uh, part of it. At the beginning of the round, um, a pool of dice is rolled, and players take turns drafting dice out of that pool to either acquire different cards to put in their tableau or to activate cards in their tableau. The mm-hmm. key is you want to get um, a lot of cards in your tableau that are activated with the same number because cards in your tableau can be activated. All of them can be activated with one one draft, set of basically. dice. Whereas acquiring cards and using you know certain cards, you have to you can only do you can only do one at a time. So you're trying to be as efficient as you possibly can with your actions. Um, it also has a little a neat mechanic that all the victory points that you earn, or most of the victory points that you earn, are kind of in like in flux for a little while. And there's like a rat plague that whenever someone dies, there's a chance that it might set up a plague in a verge village. And if you haven't banked your points, then you might, like M said, you might lose a portion of them as well. Um, but yeah, like M said, uh, we couldn't even make it through a game of this and not because of anything poor with the gameplay, but it just took too long. Yeah. It, it took so long. Like we, like we, when we played, and we tend to pick up stuff pretty fast, and we tend to play through games. Even our first plays tend to be pretty quick. Um, and we are, I think, we're at like, like seventy five minutes. Where when we were at, and a there point, was no end in sight. Yeah, you know, when we were at a point where it looked like we might have been halfway through. Like, like the end game trigger is they have these unmarked graves, and with two players, you have to have nine citizens in the unmarked graves, and we didn't even have one. Yeah. at that point. And I guess I guess it's possible that once they kind of get rolling, they might come fast and furious. Yeah, but I mean, to take over an hour, to, I can play regular village in forty five minutes. Yes, and that's and that's that's kind of the point that I was getting at, is that we kind of I guess going into it because we've played village, we kind of had an expectation on the length of time the game would quicker. take, right? And it, this kind of overstayed its welcome considerably to the point where I was the one that even like normally I'll soldier on through anything, but I was the one that was even like, do you want to keep even? really playing this at all and she's like no not really she's like i just feel like it's kind of we're kind of just going through the motions and that's the thing too is that the the gameplay itself isn't very exciting no. in any way shape or form like it's it's almost kind of like you're just pulling levers in 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 some sort of way it doesn't really make you feel any kind of way like i guess it's cool when you can activate 3 or 4 of your cards I did in that one a turn times. yeah but it's not like you just feel like you're kind of pushing buttons and I, that's true of a lot of Euro games, but I mean, I tend to elicit a little bit more joy than I felt out of my village, or than I did, than I, I I did out of my I village. Just, uh, yeah. It's just it's a just couple, like a couple turns in, and I was already ready to check out. Well, like the thing the thing about Village that I like so much is that you can do a lot of stuff that's very clever. Like you can make very clever plays in that game. Mm-hmm. You know, killing someone off at the most opportune time, and and I feel like that's a really easy part of the strategy to grasp in Village. And I just didn't get that same feeling from my village. Yeah. So like, so like I said, this one, this one, it went right on the trade shelf. Um, like, so we didn't even finish the first game we played. We were that, uh, disappointed by it. So this is a, this is a hard pass yeah. for my village from us. No, next on the list is, how do you say it? It's it, Croft, Croft If you're, if you're being, I, if I'm going to, if you're going to pronounce it, pronounce it, pronounce it, pronounce <laughs> it. Yeah, I was. I just called it Craft Wagon. Well, Craft Wagon is fine too. Um, this this was a game that I have my eye on for quite some time. This is one he waffled back and forth on for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Is what it is, and I think we got it in a trade, didn't we? We did get it in a trade. Um, this is uh, Matthias Kramer, if I'm not mistaken. 
Um, he's famous for Glenmore, which is a game that had that. Isn't that a Scotch? Uh, it's no, it's not a not not Scotch. It's a, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's I think it's a place, if I'm not mistaken. But it's um, the, it's a game that's known for being a pretty solid action selection game, um, with a unique um action track basically where you have these actions that are lined up and you select one and you can select any of the actions that you want but the thing is that the person who is furthest back in the line is the person whose turn is so if you skip over a bunch of actions that uh to to perform a specific action you're trying to do then your opponents can conceivably do several actions to get right. up to the point where they pass you and and craftwagon um borrows this mechanic as well and and the pl- the point of the game is you're trying to develop the german automotive industry from its you know meager beginnings into you know where it stands today essentially um you do that by developing technology in car bodies and in engines um getting buyers lined up to the marketplace mm-hmm. and all the buyers are looking for specific things um you're putting cars to market you're researching new technologies you're getting engineers to help you out as well um but all it's centered around this action track uh, mechanic that's going Which on in the cool. game I, 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 I did like, like that. that a lot it, well it's it's similar to if if anyone's played patchwork where right. you know you're the first, first thing behind. i said right um <laughs> But yeah, so and and the game it, it takes place over a couple rounds, and you're trying to the key is you're trying to get cars to market because when you put a car at market, you can set the price for it, and you're trying to make it so that the buyers that come out that turn are going to purchase the cars that you set up, and since you get to choose which buyers get to purchase cars in which order, that's where the manipulation comes in is trying to get a car and and trying to undercut somebody um, on price. Is is what you're attempting to do because if a buyer has a choice between two identical cars in terms of the feature that they're looking for, they always buy the cheapest car. So that and and that's how you earn victory points is by getting those buyers to buy your cars. There's other ways to do it as well. Um, there's like a Grand Prix track as well that you can earn victory points from. Um, it's one of the actions that you can do. I learned. I earned lots of points doing that. You did. You're the only one that was really concentrating on it for sure in the game. Um, and this one kind of also fell. It fell flat. A little bit flat for us. Wasn't wasn't that we didn't like the game? Well, we at least finished this one. It was interesting <laughs> enough to finish. Well, there, that that first round, you really were kind of not not feeling it. Like I could tell that you weren't feeling it. And I think once we got fast, past the first buy round, and you kind of understood how everything linked together, you were a bit more engaged. Yeah, it took me a little bit, but yeah, that when we first started playing, I'm just like. <sighs> Like this is another one I'm just not gonna like. Yeah. And I started to like it a little more as we went on a couple turns in. But like, yeah, at first, the, it's not a lot. There's not a lot, lot to do in the game. Mm-hmm. But when you first look at the board, it kind of messes with your head a little bit. I think. Well, yeah, the, I think well, I was looking actual, at it and was like, oh my god, there's so. What am I gonna do? Well, How in, am I gonna get all like this done? Like you said, in reality, there really is only like five or six different actions that you're actually able right. to take, essentially. Um, it's all about taking the right action at the right time and limiting how much opportunity you give your opponents to do multiple things mm-hmm. when it's their turn. Um, and like I said, the, we finished the game. It was all right, but it's it's something that we also probably quickly realized that we aren't going to be keen to get back to the table again because there are just other more you know meatier games that we like a lot more. What did I tell you? If I want to play a game about building cars and this, that, and the other... I want to play Kanban. Mm-hmm. 
And and Kanban, while it's a very different game, um, definitely elicits some of the same feelings, I guess, that this one does. I guess because more because of the theme than anything else. But it's got some similarities to it in that regard. Well, I mean, you got to draft your blueprints and you got to mm-hmm. get your parts and yeah. this, that, and the other. But yeah, this one, like I said, it, 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 it was a mediocre game for us. Um, but again, not one that we ever really plan on getting to the table. Um, so that's Krafwagen, um, another. It's so just, so recommendation. It just felt a little too basic for me. Yeah, uh, and I can agree with that as yeah. well. I can agree with I, that as well. Yeah. Um, last up for impressions, uh, we recently picked up a copy of the Manhattan Project Chain Reaction. This is the small box card game version of uh, the Manhattan Project, which is another game that we enjoy quite a bit. Uh, Manhattan Project is a very, what I say, a very pure worker placement game like mm-hmm. it is a worker placement game with zero frills but it but it works really well i love it it's got some great mechanics and it's a game that we like a lot um chain reaction takes the the, the spirit of manhattan project and boils it down into a card game um Which we also love yes Ooh, and the me. card the cards <laughs> are the cards are multi-use um each card has a has a building on it and then they also have on the side workers. a combination of workers and you can play the card either as workers to populate the buildings or the building itself to get a reward of some kind. And you're trying to chain your different cards together for the optimal results, uh, all with the intention of developing enough uranium so that you can purchase uh, some of the bombs that are available to be developed. Uh, It's a race to 10 points. Uh, Whoever gets 10 points ends the game. And then also whoever uh, you also get to add your leftover uranium uh, to your score as well. Uh, no frills in this one. This is this was pretty easy to pick up and play in about ten minutes. I like the all-in-one games, you know, where your mm-hmm. cards are your everything. I love it. Yeah, and like I said, it it, it definitely captures the the flavor of of Manhattan Project. But what did you say? You said this could be themed any which way. That right. You yeah, the theme to. the theme's not quite as as you know throughout as as is in Manhattan Project but it for a 20 minute card game and that's really all it is is a 20 minute card game uh, it works pretty it. well it I was liked, fun I yeah, liked it, was, it. it was a lot of fun I'll, I'll I'll definitely play it some more I mean it's 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 a cool game to travel with like I said it's another good one to you know when we when we're short on time mm-hmm. you know we can bust out and have a satisfying gameplay yeah. experience it was it was solid like I said I it's it it definitely would not um replace Manhattan Project for me by any stretch of the imagination. But it, I look at this game the same way that I look at uh, Eminent Domain Microcosm, which, you know, captures the spirit of the of the Big Brother version of the game without, uh, with you know, with just a different twist and just a different mechanic to, to work it. So this was good. Um, it could be had for super cheap. I think it's like 10 or 15 bucks. So I, I would definitely say pick up Manhattan Project Chain Reaction for sure. Yes. So we're going to take a quick break. Um, when we come back, we have one Kickstarter game to look at this week that is near and dear to my heart especially. So stay tuned. All right, we're back. So the one Kickstarter game we have to look at this week. Which so, I just had to look at during the break because someone neglected to tell me about it. I thought I'd mention it, but that's no, okay. No, you didn't. So there's a game that came out a few years back from Level 99 Games. Um, we like Level 99. They made Millennium Blades, one of our oh, favorites. Oh, I love it. We need to play that soon. Yep. Um, but there's it was a game called Pixel Tactics. And this is a two-player strategy card game um, that I've always had my eye on, but for whatever reason 
have never pulled the trigger. And now there's Mega Man Pixel yes. Tactics. So Level 99's partnering with, with Jasco Games, who is the board game maker that has the Mega Man license, and they are making a Mega Man version of Pixel Tactics. And Brad's inner child is screaming with delight. I love Mega Man. I know you do. I bought you a Mega Man coffee mug, yeah. and I bought you an E-Tank energy drink just to put on the shelf. Yes, and having and it seems like a decent fit for a license. I have played Mega Man, despite yeah. what you might think. Did you do well? I did all right. You did all right? Okay. <laughs> I kind of did how I did with, uh, what, what was the other one? What's the one with Samus? Uh, Metroid? Yeah. Okay. That's, I did about the same in both of those. Yeah, so, so like I said, Pickle Tax is a strategy card game. Um, essentially, you have this this grid. Uh, each player has a grid of in front of them. It's like their battlefield. And they have these different cards. And depending on where they're positioned in the grid, they have different abilities. So then it's kind of like Thunder and Lightning? Kind of, sort of, in some, yeah, in in, in a very broad sense. No, I'm sure. just saying because like you have your your little battlefield yeah, for lack of a like better that. term. It's you know what like I mean? That. So, okay. Um, but yeah, and so all they needed to do, I guess, was get a license that spoke to me, and I'm immediately ready to pull the trigger. So it's I'm looking forward to it. it should be good. Now there is one <laughs> there is one qualm with this that I had going into it. And um, what's that, dear? So Jasco is the one is the company that's doing the distribution. And I remember a couple of years ago, uh, they did a Kickstarter for a Mega Man board game. Oh, that was the one that you backed and then you backed out of because you would just be buying it for the little miniatures. Yes, correct? the game the game itself turned out to be not so good. Um, and it also went through production hell because I guess they did not bother licensing or getting approval from Capcom for all their artwork. So they had to hold up the project because they needed to get approved artwork from Capcom before oh, they could. So. According to them, since this is a card game and Jasco typically produces card games, they feel a lot more confident that this will be no problem. They've already gotten all the artwork approved by Capcom beforehand. And apparently it's already funded. Right, it's already funded, and the game development is being done by Brad Talton. So I'm, so I'm not worried about the game itself not being good because it's being based off of a pretty highly regarded series. So I'm working past my qualms, but I just wanted to make everyone else aware of that just because... That Mega Man campaign, I, fo- I kind of followed it from afar, and it wasn't didn't seem like the most fun experience, and it seems like backing out turned, was a really good idea for me. Um, but I am all in on Mega Man Pixel Tactics for sure. So I think it's um I think forty five bucks gets you both decks that they're putting out. There's a Mega Man deck and a Proto does Man give deck. You the play mat too. Uh, it doesn't get you the play mat as well. That's a little bit extra. Because there's one that I saw that was just the play mat. Mm-hmm. I didn't. You might really- be able to add that on later. Also it's possibly like twenty bucks for the playmat. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'm I'm happy just getting the cards themselves. I, it, it comes with a paper playmat, so it, it doesn't. You don't have to get it all. Um, as of us recording this, I feel like it's like nine, nine days left. Nine days to go. Yep. Um, and it's fully funded. Like they M said, way funded. Well, they're at they the point twenty thousand. They're at seventy five right now. Yeah, they have all these. Um, all the stretch goals are extra robot masters through all of the different Mega Man games, and they've unlocked quite a few so far. And there's still quite a few left to go. So if you are a Pixel Tactics fan... Okay, so for $55, okay. which is the stage select, you get blue and red and the playmat. Okay. So. Something to consider. I don't know if I need the playmat or not, but just the uh, I mean, the I'd game itself. I mean, I have to make sure of it on here because I'd like to see it before I go... Yeah. So, but and, and apparently it's also fully integratable with the other Pixel Tactics games. So if you are a fan of that series, uh, you can just throw the Mega Man cards... In with that as well, and it'll be good to go. Oh so, God, yeah, if you, like, uh, if you like Mega Man, if you like Pixel Tactics, um, this might be a game that you want to check out. This takes me back. Yeah. 
So that is uh that is Mega Man Pixel Tactics oh, on wait Kickstarter. Wait a minute, the playbook's right kind of cool, dude. Look at that. Checky, check it out. Great radio, by the way. Sorry. Yeah, it is kind of <laughs> cool. It's a neat looking playmat. Yeah. So, but then it was worth twenty bucks, but yeah, you know. So, but there you go. So that is uh that is our Kickstarter look for this week. Uh, we'll be right back with our main topic, which is scalable difficulty in games. So, uh, so we got a, a post on Facebook from our buddy Justin, um, who is a fan of of our show and a lot of the other shows we do. He's a cool, dude. We've, and, we've and he's he's co-hosted Dense Pixels with us before. And so. thank you, Justin, because I was having an exceptionally terrible day at work, and that popped up on my phone during one of my breaks, and I was so excited that somebody listens, and then they actually suggested a topic. I was like. <laughs> Texting Brad like, oh my god! I was very excited. So yeah. thank you for brightening my day. <laughs> so, but yeah, a couple episodes ago, we talked about the the new Harry Potter deck building game that came out, um, which kind of has scaling difficulty in that it starts things very basically and then adds more and more stuff as you play subsequent games, which is a great way to, especially for that license. We talked about it when we gave impressions of the game. A great way to integrate people that aren't that don't play board games typically into this more complex game, mm-hmm. you know, gradually. So that so he asked if there is there any other games that do scaling difficulty. Um and I thought it would be a good a good thing to tackle um on the show. And to be fair, um there are actually quite a few games that do this. Uh the vast majority of them are cooperative though. Um which makes sense if you think about it because it's a lot easier to scale difficulty when you when both people are fighting against a common Especially enemy. with two because Yeah. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Now and then, there's um. So like I said, they're mostly they're mostly cooperative. Um, the need to have, like I said, a single winner when you play competitive games makes it a little bit trickier to scale difficulty. Um, and the games that are competitive that do have like difficulty scaling, that difficulty usually falls into the you know games where they just add more mechanics and more complexity. To the mix, as opposed to actually having like a sliding difficulty scale, and we'll talk about both things because you there's examples of both of those things in, in a lot of different board games, cooperative and competitive as well. Um, the ones we are trying to avoid, though, is I, I I made it a specific thing to try to avoid games that just have an advanced variant to them if that makes sense. So well, isn't that what we were talking about earlier today? A little bit. Yeah, so there so there's some games that have like the regular game and then they'll add these like modules that you can that you can add into the game to basically change up the complexity. Um I don't really consider that extra difficulty. I think that's just kind of fleshing out the game experience. So think like a like a St. Petersburg that has the like expansion modules that you can toss into the mix or any game that's expanded pretty much kind of works in that same way as well. So that that so to me that's not added difficulty, that's just more stuff to throw into the mix. Right. And and not really it, like the game the game was fleshed out to work the way that it intended that it originally worked though. So that's why I don't really rate those too much. Um and I also know that we did a cooperative episode a few months back. So I I'm we're going to try to avoid discussing the gameplay of these cooperative games that we are going to discuss, because a lot of them we mentioned in that episode, and we're going to talk more about the way that it changes the difficulty 
in the game itself. Um, so we talked about Harry Potter a little bit, um, but then another one that I know that you can speak on a lot is Eldritch Horror, which is one oh, of our favorites. That is one of my faves. I was actually on Etsy the other day looking at like fun, fancy stuff to upgrade it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Eldritch Horror, I love that game. It definitely... As you are going along, it ratchets up faster. Like, if you can't get those gates closed, mm-hmm. and every time the Doom track goes down, oh, man. Well, and, and that one handles it in a lot of different ways. So, first of all, you have the different... Well, there's the different ancient ones. ones. Every every game, you could pick a different ancient one. So, depending on who you get, your Doom track could start at 20, your Doom track could start at 12, you know? Mm. So, and, you know, depending on what else is going on or what they're, because some of them have specific things that the cultists do that could mm-hmm. screw with it as well. And and the other way that Eldritch Har handles this really well is that they have the, the so the Mythos cards, which are usually the terrible oh. things that happen to you, they have them separated into easy, regular, and hard categories. So you can randomize them and you can just deal and get what you get, or you can actually scale back the difficulty of the game by just using the easy and normal cards, or we you can mix make them it all together, don't we? Yeah, we usually just mix them all together. Um, but or if you want it to be more challenging, you can make a deck with just the hard and the normal cards in them, and, and eliminate the easy ones altogether. So it it does that that one more than most of the cooperative games we have really allow you to kind of tweak and balance the game to your specifications. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that typically when we do introduce Eldritch Har to new people. We will do like the easier Mythos deck as well, just to just so it's not as brutally uh, it's, crushing. Yeah, but it still kicks your booty pretty well. Oh yeah, no, it's, it's not a cakewalk by any stretch of the imagination. But like the, even on easy difficulty, that one is yeah. not nice. Well, the, but those easy Mythos <laughs> cards actually typically are boons more than they are hindrances to you. So that so having a few more of those in there definitely can help you out. Um, one that M has not played nearly as much as I have because I played this game solo a lot. Um, Dawn of the Zeds. From Victory Point games. This is what happens when I go to bed. He plays games by himself. <laughs> yeah. But this this one does it really well, too, where they it actually has, like, six different modules that are in the game that you add. And this does more than adding complexity because the things that it actually adds to the game make the game tremendously more difficult. Like, they add more powerful monsters, and they add these, you know, more powerful event cards that you might come across. And even though they give you, the player, more ways to deal with these threats as well, um, it really does do a good job cranking up the the difficulty level um, to a point where Get you sweating. makes it a little bit more challenging um, in, in much more of a customizable way than the other States of Siege series games can do, because that's kind of what this Dawn of the Zeds is in the lineup, is, that's, is this, like, you know, attacks on multiple fronts. Um, those other games have some variants that you can do to kind of make the game easier or harder. This one, I think, is the one that does it the most by giving you all these pieces that you can kind of add in some or add in none, keep it very basic, and, and do things that way as well. Uh, ooh. Oh, yeah. You know what? I didn't even think about this one when hmm. we were talking about this list. Uh, Beyond Baker Street, which we just talked about, I think, last episode. Yeah. Um, well, this one does it more traditionally. This is, this is right. your more traditional, like, very easy, easy medium, hard, like, that sort of difficulty right, scaling. Right, 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 but that's depending on what case you're working on, right? Mm, right, yeah. And it just tells you where Sherlock starts and, you know, gives you your limited amount of turns to get things done. Hmm. And another game that handles difficulty in the same way um, is Pandemic The Cure. This is the the dice game version of Pandemic that we are particularly fond of. We're just 
fond of dice chuckers to begin with, of with course. the exception of my village. Yeah, but um, <laughs> but this, and this one does it where you know the epidemic track will start at a certain point, right? And, and you'll have to encounter more dice being rolled earlier in the game, depending right, on which how. Which I think we finally put on our our. Uh, Big girl and big boy pants, and we just do the the hardest one now, don't we? Oh, I don't think I think we just leave our normal. Honestly, I thought we did the hard one last no, time. No, we don't. We, we don't typically go in there. Yeah, but that that's another one where it makes it very um very customizable, and then um kind of one off scenario based games. Um, so think like Zombicide series of that ilk. You have Zombicide on the list. I I do, but that's what's well, that's the that's the one that we play the most. But there are other games like that. Um, that are out there that basically you have these, you know, instead of a, a whole connected campaign, you just have these single missions that you can do. And in the, in the quest book that they have, they actually line up how, di- you know, what the difficulty level is of each of the different missions by throwing, you know, different spawn points and things like that at you. Right. Well, and like the last one we played, I mean, what was it? What are, aren't there like three different types of missions or something that you can do? Oh, you're thinking of the others, is what you're thinking. Oh, of. sorry. Yeah, oh, that's well, not. <laughs> oh, sorry, I'm thinking of something else. Yeah, Zombicide is is the zombie. I know. I know which know. one. It is. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's been a long day. Okay. Sorry. So those are those are the cooperative games. I Does think that one work? do it the best. What the others? No, not really. Oh. Not 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 particularly. I mean, I guess that's that can be difficulty tweaked based on the different like expansions and stuff like that but they tried it i think the balance of that game is pretty well maintained regardless of which uh of whatever faction Sorry, that one's in my head because we just played it recently. right right so that's the cooperative games that i think handle scaling difficulty the best um competitive games were harder to to come by for the reasons that i mentioned um at the top of the segment but we did find a few that do handle this pretty well um the first one is it's our favorite yeah our arcadia quests um, which the fact that it is a dungeon crawl game makes it easier to incorporate that difficulty setting and the fact that it takes place over the course of a campaign um, lets it lets you do that well. Um, but the way it does it is that in each subsequent mission, um, the enemies actually grow stronger. So like the well, and you even showed me because um, whoever wins each uh, whoever wins each time gets mm-hmm. to pick the next place that you go to. Mm-hmm. And they go from easy to medium to hard, mm-hmm. and based so, on each scenario right. is different. And then, each, like you said, each time the the enemies get more difficult to, you know, kill. Yeah, well, and and they they in that game they sort of have to because you get cool new toys to play with at the end of every at the end oh, of every mission. Yeah. So they need to buff them up a little bit so that you you know, you can't just what, run rough shot through what's everybody. The one I like is it brimstone? Mm, the sword. Yeah. So, but I, I think of all the competitive games we have, that one I think handles the scaling difficulty really well. And that's also another game that you have the ability to do one-off missions as well. Um, and you can set whatever monster level you want to. And you play that again soon, too. I, I recommended it to you the other day. So Yeah, I asked if you want to get your butt kicked again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So, um, <laughs> another one that is not, this isn't a game that we own anymore. We didn't particularly care for it. But I, I thought for the purposes of this discussion, um, it would work very well. And that is uh, bat- the Battlecon series, also from Level 99 Games, so they're getting another mention here as well. Um, Battlecon, we love you guys. Yeah, Battle- Battlecon is the is the dueling um, card game uh, that's modeled very similarly to like Street Fighter, essentially, um, where you have unique characters that have unique movesets, essentially. And the way that it does the scaling difficulty is that when you open the box, 
um, each character is actually, they're divided into like, I think it's five or six different tiers. And the characters in the higher tiers tend to be more complex to use. But the thing they do that's very clever is they still balance the game well enough that you can, that a low tier character will still have a chance to win against a higher tier character, even though their moveset is generally more basic and the higher tier character's moveset is generally a little bit more complex. But I think that's a great way to kind of to kind of roll it out and and separate it that way to kind of get people more accustomed to the game. We only got rid of Alcon because we knew it was not a game we were going to play enough to right. <laughs> to we warrant it. Yeah. We didn't have the time. We don't have the time to dedicate to it. We didn't. Right. I mean, we because like we have Yomi, and I didn't like Yomi at first, but after subsequent plays. I've grown to like it a lot, and mm-hmm. we don't even get to play that one at all. Yeah, but like I said, I think I think Battlecon, like if you're looking, especially for that fighting style game, that card style game that you can play, and and kind of learn with the game and grow with the game, that's a great choice um, to roll that out as well. Yep. So the last ones that I have on the list um, is Food Chain Magnate or Arkwright, for example, or any other like heavy. Euro game that has a basic version and a more complex version. And now I also realize I said earlier, I don't really count advanced variants in this. But with the case of these well, two games but this specifically, this is more like an introductory right. to get you into the game. Not necessarily, sorry, not necessarily a basic and an advance. It's a hey, here's a quick overview how to play the game kind of mission thing mm-hmm. here, and then here's the actual game. Yeah, the, yeah, that's the, which, that's that is the difference. Is which that food chain magnate? We play the introductory thing, and I'm like, okay, cool. And then we play our first real game, and my mind melted. Yeah, and and that's <laughs> and that's the difference. That like I'm said is that the the advanced <laughs> game is the game that they designed, and then they kind of scaled it back to do the more intro level game, just so you guys can get familiar with everything. Yeah, so they don't throw you to the deep end of the pool when you can't uh, when you don't know how to swim. And there are other I heavy still euro don't know games. How to swim on this food chain magnet. Yeah, there there are other heavy euro games that kind of do the same sort of thing. Um, but those two specifically were the ones that came to mind um, at first when this when this question was posed. Um, and that's actually kind of all that I could think of. At least that was in our collection um, in terms of games that really scaled that well. It's, it's, it's funny because it's not really something that a lot of board games do, to be quite frank. And I know coming from, you know, video game background... That's something you're just kind of accustomed to is just having that there, um, having those different difficulty levels that you can tweak and manage to suit like your play God style. mode and stuff like that. Well, almost every game out there has a scaling difficulty range to customize, you know, for different levels of players. Um, but it's, it's something that in board games, I guess, is not needed as much just because of the competitive nature. Well, then I guess because they figure if you're, if you're a board gamer, mm-hmm. you kind of know what you can and can't play, so you wouldn't get right. yourself in over your head. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it would make sense. Yep. I mean, look at us. I mean, we started out, and look where we are. You you thought yeah. I would never be able to play some of the games that I, you know, love now. Mm-hmm. And, I mean... Well, and I think that's also the key. Actually, you bring up a really good point, is... is Ooh, a key to getting um, <laughs> to getting into those more difficult games is to kind of play like it's almost like difficulty scaling <laughs> in the industry is more the you know the complexity of the games themselves that you play right you know like like go get starting at the gateway level and then you know moving your way up in complexity through the ranks as you care to some people don't ever want to get to that point where they're playing these you know super heavy 
Euro games, but you know, melters is what yeah, I call but, them. But I mean, that's that's ex- you, like you said, that's exactly what we did. Is we kind of worked our way up to that level, and it's funny because once you get to that level, you tend to want to stay there more well, often yeah, than and not. And I think, like we were talking about in the beginning of the show, um, especially with like Craft Wagon, mm-hmm. it's a good game. Now, it's a really good game if you're a beginner, you're just getting into the hobby because, you know, it'll... Get- I wouldn't give that to a beginner, per se. I'd, I'd say that's like a maybe like a next step Euro game. Okay, well, f- well it's, you know, we're past that. That's what I'm right. saying. Like, we've grown in our gamingness that we are well past that. For sure. For sure. And, yeah, and, I, th- definitely- and I think that was the problem, but... You know, say someone who's, you know, just gotten in and they're really, they're like, oh, well, you know, this might be a little more difficult. Mm-hmm. You know, that'd be a good game for them. Yeah, for sure. So it's, it, it is, it is something that I do wonder if, if more designers will consider implementing. Like I said, I'm not sure how you would do it frequently for games that are, you know, competitive and have that sort of board state. In cooperative games, it's a no brainer. Like, honest, honestly, in most cooperative games, you probably should have some sort of scaling difficulty for mo- in in most cases cuz that way you'll get a much wider well, wider I mean, appeal look at, so look at legendary encounters mm-hmm. <laughs> it's different from movie to movie we'll see but that from movie to movie to me that's not complexity or that's not difficulty as much as just adds like different mechanics but you can scale that game by adding in more of the like cannon fighter cards basically like the cards from the drone deck or the whatever predator calls it Kind of deal. Um, so that that one does have a little bit more control than you might think that it does. Um, even though that one's more of just like the different mechanics sort of thing for movie to movie. But I guess I get. I mean, I guess the movies get somewhat progressively harder. But no, like, no, no. The odd the odd number movies are, are harder are hard, than the even, the number, even movies. number movies are not. And it's weird how that works out in that game. You're right though. That's <laughs> like two, <laughs> like I don't think we've ever lost when we played Aliens two and in four. Legendary Encounters. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, that that was that was that that discussion actually took an interesting path. I didn't expect it to. So that was kind of cool. Um, so yeah, thank you, Justin, for suggesting that category. And again, if you guys, if there's a particular topic that you would like to hear us tackle on the show, um, feel free to drop us a line, like Justin did on Facebook or Twitter. Um, I also have a post in our guild on BGG um, specifically for this. Uh, for topic suggestions. So yeah, if you have, if you have anything you want to hear us talk about, uh, feel free to drop us a line and we will certainly consider doing it on the show. Um, so that is actually it for us this week. Um, just a brief reminder too, we're just one show on the TNP Studios network of shows. Please check out all the other awesome shows on there as well. Uh, and consider becoming a premium subscriber. You can check out the details for that at thenerdpocalypse.com slash premium uh, to see all of our other great premium shows on that side of the network as well. Um, like I mentioned, of course, Tabletop for Two can be found at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, uh, as well as Periscope and iTunes and YouTube and <laughs> all these other places where we're popping up left Google. and right. Yeah, you can just Google it and you can find all that stuff too. Because sure. Google does podcasts now. I was listening to Dense Pixels on, yeah. on Google the other day. Very cool. Only so, because I knew you were talking about me and introducing me to Borderlands 2. Ah. I had to make sure you weren't talking smack. Yes, yes. So, <laughs> But yeah, that is, uh, that is it for us this week. Thank you once again for tuning in and listening and we will catch you guys in a couple weeks. See ya. Bye. Bye.